Chapter 31 The Sermon Frey Damaso began slowly in a low voice. A spiritum bonum dedisti qui doceret eos et mana tuum non prohibuisti ab ori eorum et aquam dediste eis in sili. And thou gavest thou good spirit to teach them, and thy mana thou didst not withhold from their mouth, and thou gavest them water for their thirst. Words which the Lord spoke through the mouth of Esdras in the second book, the ninth chapter, and the twentieth verse. Padre Sibylla glanced in surprise at the preacher. Padre Manuel Martin turned pale and swallowed hard. That was better than his. Whether Padre Damaso noticed this or whether he was still hoarse, the fact is that he coughed several times as he placed both hands on the rail of the pulpit. The Holy Ghost was above his head, freshly painted, clean and white, with rose-colored beak and feet. Most honorable sir to the alcalde, most holy priests, Christians, brethren in Christ. Here he made a solemn pause, and again he swept his gaze over the congregation, with whose attention and concentration he seemed satisfied. The first part of the sermon is to be in Spanish and the other in Tagalog. Loquebantor omnes linguas. After the salutations and the pause, he extended his right hand majestically toward the altar, at the same time fixing his gaze on the alcalde. He slowly crossed his arms without uttering a word. Then suddenly, passing from calmness to action, threw his head back and made a sign toward the main door, sawing the air with his open hand so forcibly that sacristans interpreted the gesture as a command to close the doors. The alferez became uneasy, doubting whether he should go or stay, when the preacher began in a strong voice full of sonorous. Truly, his old housekeeper was skilled in medicine. Radiant and resplendent is the altar, Wide is the great door. The air is the vehicle of the holy and divine words that will spring from my mouth. Hear ye then with the ears of your souls and hearts that the words of the Lord may not fall on the stony soil where the birds of hell may consume them, but that ye may grow and flourish in holy seed in the field of our venerable and seraphic father, St. Francis. O ye great sinners, captives of the moros of the soul that infest the sea of eternal life in the powerful craft of the flesh and the world, ye who are laden with the fetters of lust and avarice and who toil in the galleys of the infernal Satan. Look ye here with reverent repentance upon him who saved souls from the captivity of the devil, upon the intrepid Gideon, upon the valiant David, upon the triumphant Roland of Christianity, upon the celestial civil guard, more powerful than all the civil guards together, now existing, or to exist. The Alpharis frowned. Yes, Senor Alpharis, 
more valiant and powerful for who with no other weapon than a wooden cross boldly vanquishes the eternal Tulisan of the Shades and all the hosts of Lucifer and who would have exterminated them forever were not the spirits immortal. This marvel of divine creation, this wonderful prodigy, is the blessed Diego of Alcala, who, if I may avail myself of a comparison, since comparisons aid in the comprehension of the incomprehensible things, as another has said, I say then that this great saint is merely a private soldier, a steward in powerful company, which our seraphic father, St. Francis, sends from heaven, and to which I have the honor to belong as a corporal or sergeant by the grace of God. The rude Indians, as the correspondent would say, caught nothing more from this paragraph than the words Civil Guard, Tulisan, San Diego, and St. Francis, so observing the wry face of the Alferez and the bellicose gestures of the preacher, they deduced that the latter was reprehending him for not running down the Tulisans. San Diego and St. Francis would be commissioned in this duty, and justly so, as is proved by a picture existing in the convento at Manila, representing St. Francis, by means of his girdle only, holding back the Chinese invasion in the first years after the discovery. The devout were accordingly not a little rejoiced and thanked God for this aid, not doubting that once the Tulisans had disappeared, St. Francis would also destroy the civil guard. With redoubled attention, therefore, they listened to Padre Damaso as he continued. Most honorable sir, Great affairs are great affairs, even by the side of the small, and the small are always small, even by the side of the great. So history says, but since history hits the nail on the head only once in a hundred times, being a thing made by men, and men make mistakes, erale es hominum, as Cicero said, he who opens his mouth makes mistakes, as they say in my country. Then the result is that there are profound truths which history does not record. These truths most honorable, sir. The divine spirit spoke with that supreme wisdom which human intelligence has not comprehended since the times of Seneca and Aristotle. Those wise priests of antiquity, even to our sinful days, and these truths are that not always are small affairs small, but that they are great not by the side of the little things, but by the side of the grandest of the earth, and of the heavens, and of the air, and of the clouds, and of the waters, and of the space, and of life, and of death. Amen, exclaimed the leader of the tertiaries, crossing himself. With this figure of rhetoric, which he had learned from a famous preacher in Manila, Padre Damaso wished to startle his audience, and in fact, his Holy Ghost was so fascinated with such great truths that it was necessary to kick him to remind him of his business. Patent to your eyes prompted the Holy Ghost below. Patent to your eyes is the convulsive and impressive proof of this eternal philosophical truth. Patent is that son of virtue, and I say sun, not moon, for there is not great merit in the fact that the moon shines during the night, 
In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. By night may shine a light, a tiny star, so the greatest merit is to be able to shine even in the middle of the day, as the sun does. So shines our brother Diego, even in the midst of great saints. Here you have patent in your eyes, in your impious disbelief, the masterpiece of the highest for the confusion of the great of the earth. Yes, my brethren, patent, patent to all, patent. A man rose pale and trembling and hid himself in a confessional. He was a liquor dealer who had been dozing and dreaming that the carbineers were demanding the patent or license that he did not have. It may safely be affirmed that he did not come out of his hiding place while the sermon lasted. Humble and lowly saint, thy wooden cross, the one that the image held was of silver. Thy modest gown honors the great Francis whose sons and imitators we are. We propagate thy holy race in the whole world, in the remote places in the cities, in the towns without distinction between black and white. The alcalde held his breath. Suffering hardships and martyrdom, thy holy race of faith and religion militant, ah, breathe the alcalde, which holds the world in balance and prevents it from falling into the depths of perdition. His hearers, including even Capitan Chago, yawned little by little. Maria Clara was not listening to the sermon, for she knew that Ibarra was near and was thinking about him while she fanned herself and gazed at an evangelical bull that had all the outlines of a small carabao. All should know by heart the holy scriptures and the lives of the saints, and then I should not have to preach to you, O sinners. You should know such important and necessary things as the Lord's Prayer although many of you have forgotten it, living now as do the Protestants or heretics who, like the Chinese, respect not the ministers of God, but the worse for you. O ye accursed, moving on as you are toward damnation. Aba, pale damaso, what? muttered Carlos, the Chinese, looking angrily at the preacher who continued to extemporize, emitting a series of apostrophes and imprecations. You will die in final unrepentance, O race of heretics. God punishes you even this earth with jails and prisons. Women should flee from you. The rulers should hang all of you so that the seed of Satan be not multiplied in the vineyard of the Lord. Jesus Christ said, If you have an evil member that leads you to sin, cut it off and cast it to the fire. Having forgotten both his sermon and his rhetoric, Fray Damaso began to be nervous. Ibarra became uneasy and looked about for a quiet corner, but the church was crowded. Maria Clara neither heard nor saw anything as she was analyzing a picture of the blessed souls in purgatory, souls in the shape of men and women dressed in hides with miters, hoods, and cowls all roasting in the fire and clutching St. Francis's girdle, which did not break even with such great weight. With that improvisation on the preacher's part, the Holy Ghost friar lost the thread of the sermon and skipped over three long paragraphs 
giving the wrong cue to the now laboriously panting Frey Damaso. Who of you, O sinners, would lick the sores of a poor and ragged beggar? Who? Let him answer by raising his hand. None. That I knew for only a saint like Diego de Alcala would do it. He licked all the sores, saying to an astonished brother, Thus is the sick one cured. O Christian charity, O matchless example, O virtue of virtues, O inimitable pattern, O spotless talisman. Here he continued a long series of exclamations, and while crossing his arms and raising and lowering them as though he wished to fly or to frighten the birds away. Before dying, he spoke in Latin without knowing Latin. Marvel, O sinners, you, in spite of what you study, for which blows are given to you, you do not speak Latin, and you will die without speaking it. To speak Latin is a gift of God, and therefore the church uses Latin. I too speak Latin. Was God going to deny this consolation to his beloved Diego? Could he die? Could he be permitted to die without speaking Latin? Impossible. God wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be God. So he talked in Latin. And of that fact, the writers of his time bear witness. He ended this exordium with a passage which had cost him the most toil in which he had plagiarized from a great writer, Sinalbado de Mas. Therefore, I salute thee, illustrious Diego, the glory of our order. Thou art the pattern of virtue, meek with honor, humble with nobility, compliant with fortitude, temperate with ambition, hostile with loyalty, compassionate with pardon, holy with conscientiousness, full of faith with devotion, credulous with sincerity, chaste with love, reserved with secrecy, long-suffering with patience, brave with timidity, moderate with desire, bold with resolution, obedient with subjection, modest with pride, zealous with disinterestedness, skillful with capability, ceremonious with politeness, astute with sagacity merciful with piety, secretive with modesty, revengeful with valor, poor on account of thy labors with true conformity, prodigal with economy, active with ease, economical with liberality, innocent with sagacity, reformer with consistency, indifferent with zeal for learning. God created thee to feel the raptures of platonic love. Aid me in singing thy greatness and thy name higher than the stars and clearer than the sun itself that circles about thy feet. Aid me, all of you, as you appeal to God for sufficient inspiration by reciting the Ave Maria. All fell upon their knees and raised a murmur like the humming of a thousand bees. The alcalde laboriously bent one knee and wagged his head in a disgusted manner, while the Alfres looked pale and penitent. To the devil with a curate, muttered one of the two youths who had come from Manila. Keep still, admonished his companion. His woman might hear us. Meanwhile, Padre Damaso, instead of reciting the Ave Maria, was scolding his Holy Ghost for having skipped three of his best paragraphs. 
At the same time, he consumed a couple of cakes and a glass of Malaga, secure of encountering therein greater inspiration than in all the Holy Ghosts, whether of wood in the form of a dove or of flesh in the shape of an inattentive friar. Then he began to sermon in Tagalog. The devout old woman again gave her granddaughter a hearty slap. The child awoke ill-naturedly and said, Is it time to cry now? Not yet, O lost one, but don't go to sleep again, answered the good grandmother. Of the second part of the sermon, that in Tagalog, we have only a few rough notes for Padre Damaso extemporized in this language, not because he knew it better, but because holding the provincial Filipinos ignorant of rhetoric, he was not afraid of making blunders before them. With Spaniards, the case was different. He had heard rules of oratory spoken of, and it was possible that among his hearers, someone had been in college halls, perhaps the alcalde. So he wrote out his sermons, corrected and polished them, and then memorized and rehearsed them for several days beforehand. It is common knowledge that none of those present understood the drift of the sermon. They were so dull of understanding, and the preacher was so profound, as Sister Rufa had said, that the audience waited in vain for an opportunity to weep, and the lost grandchild of the blessed old woman went to sleep again. Nevertheless, this part had greater consequences than the first, at least for certain hearers, as we shall see later. He began with a mana capitir con cristiano, followed by an avalanche of untranslatable phrases. He talked of the soul, of hell, of mahal na santo, pintakasi, of the Indian sinners, and of the virtuous Franciscan fathers. The devil, exclaimed one of the two irreverent Manilans to his companion. That's all Greek to me. I'm going. Seeing the doors closed, he went out through the sacristy, to the great scandal of the people, and especially of the preacher who turned pale and paused in the midst of his sentence. Some looked for a violent apostrophe, but Padre Damaso contented himself with watching the delinquent, and then he went on with his sermon. Then were let loose curses upon the age, against the lack of reverence, against the growing indifference to religion, this matter seemed to be his forte, for he appeared to be inspired and expressed himself with force and clearness. He talked of the sinners who did not attend confession, who died in prisons without sacraments, of families accursed, of proud and puffed-up little half-breeds, of young sages and little philosophers, of pettifoggers, of picayunish students, and so on. Well known is this habit that many have when they wish to ridicule their enemies. They apply to them belittling epithets because their brains do not appear to furnish them any other means, and thus they are happy. Ibarra heard it all and understood the allusions. Preserving an outward calm, he turned his eye to God and the authorities, but saw nothing more than the image of saints and the alcalde was sleeping. Meanwhile, the preacher's enthusiasm was rising by degrees. He spoke of the times when every Filipino, upon meeting a priest, took off his hat, 
knelt on the ground and kissed the priest's hand. But now, he added, you only take off your salakot or your felt hat, which you have placed on the side of your head in order not to ruffle your nicely combed hair. You content yourself with saying, good day, Amon. And there are proud dabblers in a little Latin who, from having studied in Manila or in Europe, believe that they have the right to shake a priest's hand instead of kissing it. Ah, the day of judgment will quickly come. The world will end as many saints have foretold it. It will rain fire, stones, and ashes to chastise your pride. The people were exhorted not to imitate such savages, but to hate and shun them since they were beyond the religious pale. Hear what the holy decrees say. When an Indian meets a curate in the street, he should bow his head and offer his neck for his master to step upon. If the curate and the Indian are both on horseback, then the Indian should stop and take off his hat or salakot reverently. And finally, if the Indian is on horseback and the curate is on foot, the Indian should alight and not mount again until the curate has told him to go on or is far away. This is what the holy decrees say. And he who does not obey it will be excommunicated. And when he is riding a carabao, asked a scrupulous countryman of his neighbor. Then keep going, answered the latter who was cautious. But in spite of the cries and gestures of the preacher, many fell asleep or wandered in their attention, since these sermons were ever the same. In vain, some devout women tried to sigh or sob over the sins of the wicked. They had to desist in the attempt from lack of supporters. Even Sister Pute, who was thinking of something quite different. A man beside her had dropped off to sleep in such a way that he had fallen over and crushed her habit. So the good woman caught up one of her clogs and with blows began to wake him, crying out, Get away, savage brute, devil, carabao, cur, accursed. Naturally, this caused somewhat of a stir. The preacher paused and arched his eyebrows, surprised at so great a scandal. Indignation choked the words in his throat, and he was able only to bellow while he pounded the pulpit with his fists. This had the desired effect, however, for the old woman, though still grumbling, dropped off her clog and, crossing herself repeatedly, fell devoutly upon her knees. Ah! Ah! The indignant priest was at last able to roar out as he crossed his arms and shook his head. For this do I preach to you the whole morning, savages. Here, in the house of God, you quarrel and curse, shameless ones. You respect nothing. This is the result of the luxury and the looseness of the age. That's just what I've told you. Upon this theme, he continued to preach for half an hour. The alcalde snored and Maria Clara nodded, for the poor child could no longer keep from sleeping since she had no more paintings or images to study, nor anything else to amuse her. On Ibarra, the words and allusions made no more impressions, for he was thinking of a cottage on top of a mountain and saw Maria Clara in the garden, let men crawl about in their miserable towns in the depths of the valley. 
Padre Salvi had caused the altar bell to be rung twice, but this was only adding fuel to the flame, for Padre Damaso became stubborn and prolonged in the sermon. Fray Sibylla gnawed at his lips and repeatedly adjusted his gold-mounted eyeglasses. Fray Manuel Martin was the only one who appeared to listen with pleasure, for he was smiling. But at last, God said, enough. The orator became weary and descended from the pulpit. All knelt to render thanks to God. The alcalde rubbed his eyes, stretched out one arm as if to waken himself, and yawned with a deep, <sighs> The mass continued. When all were kneeling and the priests had lowered their heads while the Incarnatus Est was being sung, a man murmured in Ibarra's ear, At the laying of the cornerstone, don't move away from the curate. Don't go down into the trench. Don't go near the stone. Your life depends upon it. Ibarra turned to see Elias, who, as soon as he had said this, disappeared in the crowd.